This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. And a very special episode today. It is our 100th episode. Uh, so incredibly exciting. And to celebrate, we've got a very special guest on the show today. It's my brother Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, boys. How are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, we've pulled out all the stops, the 100th episode. Uh, Hopefully you like the format that we've been running with for 100 episodes because we're serving it up again. Um, and it was, it's not even, I'm not even convinced actually it's our 100th episode. It was, it's either today or it was last week or it's next week because anyone who's been listening to the show for a long time will know mm. that maths isn't really our strong suit. Yeah. It's not statistically different from 100. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're, we're talking it down. We should be talking it up. It's, a, it's an exciting time. Um, I had no idea that we would, uh, no idea that we'd make it this far when we started. Uh, big shout out to Equity Mates Media for all their assistance, Alec, Bryce, Sasha, the whole crew, um, for making it happen. Couldn't, be, couldn't, couldn't do it without you. 100th episode, big show coming up. Uh, let's get stuck into it. Shout out to everyone tuning in from jail. <laughs> I don't know whether we've got any listeners in jail. We could soon be uh, selling prisons, selling them off. We'll find out what's happening there. Uh, we'll be talking Turkey again, checking in to see how their prediction of 50% inflation panned out. Uh, and good news, microchipping is no longer just for dogs. Find out why you might <laughs> want to get chipped as well. But first, Thomas, what do you get mm. when you combine wages with data? <laughs> That's Wage- right, wages data. <laughs> <laughs> Wages data was out. What did we learn? Oh, it, it, it was a fizzer. It yeah. was like, yeah, it was. After all the hype? Yeah. After, yeah. Oh. Well, it was interesting. It was very interesting because it was a fizzer. Oh, right. We were expecting it to be more of a zinger. It cool. didn't zing, it fizzed. Oh, no. Yeah, so 0.7% in the quarter, wage price index in um, the June quarter, and that was lower than expectations. Uh, annual rates stepped up from 2.4 to 2.6, mm. but 2.6 is is isn't much. It's not 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 particularly impressive. RBA is looking a little silly again. They've been talking up, you know, the whole rationale for the, the aggressive rate hikes we've seen was um, 
they're saying that wages pressure was in the system already. They've got a, a business liaison program where they go out and talk to businesses and there's the NAB business survey. Saying all of those all of those conversations and the surveys were saying that businesses were facing uh, wage pressure, uh, mm. but no, nah, doesn't nah. seem like that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, RBA has been undone again <laughs> by, by basic surveys. So, yeah, it's people now saying like, well, maybe we don't need such aggressive rate hikes. Hmm. We also last week, so it's a bit of a, a labour data week, we got um, the unemployment, the labour force survey. Uh, the unemployment rate fell another 0.1% to 3.4%, which is very, very low, um, lowest rate since August 1974. Wow. Um, it's been very low for a while. But the interesting thing about this result is that that fall was all due to decreased participation. So people left the labor force and the number of jobs actually fell 40,000 compared to expectations for 25,000. So it was quite a... In terms of the jobs numbers, that was that was quite that's a reasonably weak result. Mm. The monthly jobs data is is pretty choppy. Like a, it, it, you wouldn't want to hang your hat on one month's um, results, but you put those two together, and you've got potentially a labour market that could be turning. It's probably that is too early to call, and wages pressure that's just absence is missing in action. So when we say wait, so sorry, when you say wages pressure. You're talking about the pressure to increase wages? More wages pressure on the price level, on the CPI. So wages feed through into into prices. Right. And so wages pressure is talked about. There's wages I hear rising. That. I hear that term and, I, and it just occurred mm. to me as you were talking um, that I don't really know what it means. I mean, it's an interesting one. Like it's pressure is like it's a, it's a normative thing. It sounds bad. Mm. There's pressure. If you're getting a wage increase, that's that's a nice thing. So it's, mm. it's, it's, it's I mean, it's one of the flavors of the of the current story is like the business community and the RBA have been trying to talk down wages for the past six months, um, saying it's a real danger if wages get out of control. Mm. But and you know if there's wages pressure in the system, which as I was saying, it's like if you get a wage increase, that's bad. If you all get one, that's really bad. <laughs> um, Again, bad for who? <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm. but at the same time, like prices are going through the roof, you know, well, not through the roof, but like they're up yeah. in a way. And so you put those two together, real real, real wages, which is adjust for inflation, they had the biggest fall on record right. in the late, because inflation is so high. And real wages are now back at 2012 levels. So your purchasing power is where it was back in 2012. Based on this data, so we're going backwards, and it means people are able to buy less. So, mm. to argue against wages in that scenario is to argue against people keeping, you know, not even just getting ahead, but just keeping mm. keeping up with where they were. People will be buying Crocs again if it's two thousand and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> if we increase wages, mm. then is the big is the fear the, the 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 wage price spiral? Is that is that why we're so scared of increasing wages? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That it that it feeds through into prices, which feeds through into more wages, which feeds through into prices, and you get that vicious mm. cycle again. Vicious, vicious. Um, <laughs> well, it's because of all the pressure. All the pressure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the fear. But yeah, it, it just doesn't seem to be happening. And I, like we, you know, we, in some places they they index to 
to the CPI for wages, but this is not the case in Australia. In the private sector, wages in particular, there's there's nothing going on. Right. And like and that and that that two point six percent that comes off the back of fourteen percent of the survey. So fourteen percent of employees got a pay rise in the June quarter. Eighty six percent didn't. Wow. Yeah. So you kind of like talk about like wages exploding or you mm. know, the pressure building. It's, there's just no evidence of it. Right. So is this going to change what the RBA does then? Like they're still talking of another 50 basis point rise next yeah. meeting or next whenever they hook get together and Yeah, and I mean this this up. is yeah, there's people saying that. This is what CBA uh, Commonwealth Bank their economists are saying are saying like there's no need here for the RBA to run hard against wages inflation because it's just not in the in the system. <laughs> Nobody tells the RBA what to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I remember rightly, there was a lot of commentary, a lot of experts in the media saying, mm. nah, definitely going to increase rates before 2024. Mm. And the RBA mm. was like, nah, definitely, definitely not going to do that and then did. Mm. So I, the concern I've got now is that they've learned their lesson from their from their inaction <laughs> now when people are expecting and even calling for inaction they're going to be like nah we got burned last time <laughs> we've got to do something i don't know yeah. what but we've got to do something doing something's better than nothing that's yeah. our new motto here at the rba yeah it'd be interesting to see, interesting to see if that i mean based on those results you could you could easily justify a pause now if you wanted to you could say look we've we've Baked in 175 bips already. We can just sit on that and see how things unfold from here. Maybe mm. give it a month or two and, and revisit it. You could you could easily make that case now. I don't think they will. I think they'll probably – but maybe where we were expecting another 50 basis points next month, we might get 25 maybe. Mm. But mm. Do, we get, do we get peer pressure from like other countries? Like the US keeps doing it, mm. New Zealand keeps doing it, like everyone keeps ra- raising their interest rates. Is there, is there some form of economic peer pressure that happens that, that we go, well, we better as well? Or do, is yeah. there any negative impact if we don't and everyone else is? Yeah, it does affect the, the currency relativity. So like if Aussie debt is paying less because we're paying, we've got lower interest rates in the US, for example, mm. then people will move their money out of Aussie dollar assets into US dollar assets. Right. They want to sell Aussie dollars and buy US dollars. And so that'll lower the exchange rate, lower, lower the Aussie dollar. But that's actually a good thing for exporters and generally for the economy. Right. You generally would like a lower Aussie dollar. So it's not, it's not a reason to, to hike rates. On the way down, it sort of is like, you know, you don't want to be left behind on a rate cycle because that makes your currency appreciate and that's seen as a bad thing. Mm. But on the way up, there's not, there's not such a pressure to keep pace. We will, uh, we will watch with great anticipation to see what the RBA does next in terms of rate rises. Don't be bullied into it, Phil, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the message here, the key takeaway. Play your own game. Play your own. <laughs> you do you, Phil. <laughs> all right, Thomas, Michael Burry has bought and sold some stocks. Who is he and why do we care? Yeah, so Ma- Michael Burry is a fund manager. Uh, Scion Asset Management is the one he heads up. But he's famous. He, f- he was the central character in The Big Short, oh, the, yeah. Yeah, the movie about the GFC. And, yeah, so he, he shorted mortgage-backed securities before it was cool, uh, before the GFC hit. 
And then when the GFC hit, he made a ton of money mm. because he sort of was that had that vision to be able to, to get ahead of the curve on the GFC. He's quite a famous character now. He's just like he had a hit song in the early two mm. thousands. That and he and like smashed it out of the park. Mm. Everyone plays it all the time. Yeah, and he's just trading on that like. He pops up all the time now, doesn't he? Well, yeah. Whenever something something's going on, it's like, what does Michael Berry think? Yeah. Yeah, people are very interested. People just want that big. They want another hit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, he, has, he didn't have – had a few flops. Like he was predicting that crypto was going to crash mm. and then that didn't. So people were a bit like off him. But then it did crash. So, mm. you know, maybe he nailed that one. He's also famous for shorting Tesla. Which also, in hindsight, seems like a pretty good bet. Does it even now? Oh, it depends when he shorted it, I suppose. Depends when he shorted it. Yeah, I guess. Mm. But I still, th- I mean, because if we're talking about like November twenty one, then shorting most stocks was a good a good bet. Sure. Yeah. It's still. It's like no. I mean, Tesla was worth more than the entire global auto market combined. Mm. That never felt sustainable. No. And that I don't know. I think. That's, I mean, it's kind of common sense. It's not particularly visionary, but I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to can the guy too much. I haven't, <laughs> yeah. I haven't exactly set the economic world on fire myself, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying he, he gets trotted out a fair bit to see what mm. he thinks on things, and he's he just he made that one call, which uh, <laughs> you know credit to him it was massive yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it paid, paid off yeah. big time. But yeah. Um, yeah, all right, yeah, well, what's he up yeah, to it's now? Like, it's like saying, what, what's George Soros ever done? <laughs> broke, broke the Bank of England once, whatever. <laughs> but you could also say, where's Millie Vanilli now? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's only so many times you can listen to another Millie Vanilli song before you go, you know what, I think that was, that was they, they had their one shot. That was it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but he's still managing money, money. so he's still out there in the, in the market making trades. Mm. But in the US you get these regulatory filings which where these funds have to, have to declare what they own every quarter. And what we learn is so that in the March quarter he owned a bunch of big stocks, Warner Brothers, Discovery, Meta, Alphabet, which is on Google, mm. he owned them all. He owned a bunch of those uh, and he got rid of them. He sold out of everything. Everything? Everything, yeah. Doesn't wow. earn anything anymore except this one group, mm. which is the Geo Group. And Geo Group run private prisons. That's what, that's, wow. what they, that's what they do. Yeah, so he's kind of sold out of sold out of the American economy in general. Mm. I don't know if he's gone all in, but he's gone heavy into... Private prisons. Is he expecting big crime as a result of stock market crashes? Maybe that seems to be the. I mean, that's how I read. It. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't. These they don't. They don't have to explain themselves in these regulatory filings. It's just a no. list of things. But that seems to be like that's how I would interpret it. Maybe it's a bit of a Ray Dalio class conflict is coming kind of story. But like you know, if you thought that the economy was gonna gonna tank. Hmm. Um, and poverty was going to rise and then crime would rise with that, then a prison operator might be, you know, is might be your hedge against social collapse. Maybe it's time to listen. I mean, the last one was a big call on the collapse of, uh, you know, the housing market. Mm. This could be the collapse of society. He could be calling like maybe this is his, mm. this is his second album. Sophomore yeah. effort. I mean, he's is, is, is like he's a he's a sort of famous for being a, a, a nerdy quant. Mm. So like 
how he sort of like cracked the the GFC stories. He looked at the, what was the mortgages that were actually backing the mortgage-backed securities, which no one else had bothered to do, and then looked at them and just realized that they were trash mm. just based on the numbers and that they were all trash and that there was no way that the scheme could keep propping itself up. Right. So it's interesting, like when you look at, so like going long prisons seems to be – that seems to be a, a a statement of belief in how society is going to play out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's certain, like there's a, it's not just it's not a sort of a mathematical certainty that crime is going to rise in any scenario. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like it's for society to collapse and for crime to explode. There's a lot of factors that need to come into play. There's a lot of politics that's going to come into play. So it's not you're not just backing that out of the numbers. It could also be a play for uh, it could also be a play for a return to domestic manufacturing production. <laughs> and if you're buying a prison, you're getting some very loyal, very cheap labour. Mm. Like you've got a good solid moat there that no one can come in and pinch your staff. They've <laughs> 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 got a lot of space. They could, they can build all sorts of stuff. Maybe he's maybe this is mm. a manufacturing play. Yeah, build back better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. But it, I mean, but it's, to me, it's like what what are the numbers? Like knowing that he's such a numbers guy, like it makes me want to like what are the numbers that he's seeing or looking at that make him think that this is how it's going to play out. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's all, it's all pretty interesting. And so so this is to talk about, so the gov- the, most prisons at the moment are government-owned. Would that be fair? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he's he's buying into privately run prisons. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that a trend? Like um, uh, is the government selling off more and more prisons or are these people just building their own? Yeah, I think I think they were sort of more commissioned or sort of put out to tender for new prisons. Right. I haven't heard of like privatizing existing prisons. I haven't heard of that happening, but I'm not mm. sure, I'm not totally sure. Private privatization's not always well it's cracked up to be, is it? No. <laughs> you know, if no. we look at I don't know, the transport and energy sectors Qantas here, here in Australia. <laughs> I mean, you talk to someone from Transurban and they're very happy with, with privatisation. But Well, yeah, Transurban's shareholders are very happy with privatisation. Mm, that's right. Consumers, not as much. <laughs> <laughs> Where do they fit ethically, private prisons? Are they, they all right? I think they're pretty dodge. I mean, that's the other thing about uh, Burry getting into, into this one is that they're not an ethical play. They're not certainly not at an ESG ETF. I <laughs> <laughs> Getting screened out. Yeah. I mean, you had that story a few years ago where two judges got caught and went to prison because they were taking money from a Mid-Atlantic Youth Services Corp, which was a private prison. Mm. So it was taking money from them to chuck a whole bunch of kids in jail Ah. for stealing DVDs and sort of small petty crime stuff. Mm. And they were just like, yep, off you go to jail. And then taking a kickback effectively from the jail itself. (laughs) Like super dodge. Oh, wow. Yeah. If they're private, though, then they stand the chance of going bankrupt, which, <laughs> which I don't know what happens in that scenario. Does, does it, like if you, if you happen to be housed in a, in a bankrupt prison, does they just go, right, or just, we'll just let everyone go? Yeah. <laughs> we can't, can't keep you anymore. You're, you're all free. <laughs> all right, why don't we take a break there, grab a quick word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email if you like, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at cve podcast. Thomas, last time we looked at... Turkey, the country, not the bird, uh, they were predicting 50% inflation and they were sitting at 48 from memory. <laughs> how'd they go? How'd, how'd things work out? Yeah, a bit of a miss. Yeah, which last we checked in on in mid-February, mm. as you're saying, inflation had come in at 48% annual. Uh, which is up fi- there. That's it's, it's yeah. not where you want it to be. No, no. People are pro- freaking out in Australia because we're, we're getting up near eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, inflation got to 48%. It was mm. on a tear away. The finance ministry said they expected in- inflation to hold under 50%. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen in the end. They came, it just came in last week at 80%. 80%. 80%, yeah. And that's, that's just the official numbers. And the, there's a lot of private economists who are saying the, the numbers are wrong. It's actually much worse right. than Turkey right now. Yeah. What does that do for a country? 80% inflation. Uh, alleged. Alleged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing good. Nothing good. Huh. I mean, wages are growing. Like the, they've got a manufacturing index. The wages are up 30% there. But so their real wages are falling 50%. Well, numbers oh, wow. don't quite work like that. But, yeah, mm. they're falling. So that's not good. It's, yeah, it's, things are getting more and more expensive. Mm. The interesting thing when we checked in last time is that uh, President Erdogan, um, who's kind of on his way to being a dictator of sorts, like I don't think he he's been around for I don't know it must be like twenty years or something, and I don't think he's I think he's kind of properly entrenched himself in the in the presidency. Mm. Yeah, he's he's been fighting against raising rates, so you know RBA is raising rates to head off inflation here. Mm. They're actually cutting rates. So Turkey cut interest rates uh, last week from 14% to 13%. Uh, it's quite high, but yeah, they're on the way down. We're about 17 18% you know, six months ago or something. Right. Um, that's the first move since December, but, yeah, they're, they're on the way down. As we were saying last time, his strategy is to cut rates into, into this sort of inflation. Um, the central bank fought him on that for a while, but then he just fired the Turkish fuel low. And <laughs> Three, three times. I've been through three central bank chiefs in three years. Really? And he's finally found one who's, who's just going to toe the line and do what he says. And so, yeah, they're cutting cutting interest rates, but not working. Doesn't, no. Not yet anyway. What's the thinking there, cutting rates to fight inflation? Uh, 
Um, What's the hope? Is it hope? Is it just? The, yeah, there's a bit of hope. I mean, there was a sort of case where China did this kind of successfully in the early 2000s where you stimulate your export sector, you cut rates, you crash the currency, mm. and that stimulates the sec- your export sector, and then your export sector pulls your economy out of trouble is right. sort of the idea. The first p- link in that change worked. Cutting interest rates has trashed the Turkish lira. Right. The, the lira is... The, <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it, Step yeah. two of my grand plan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, on the nose on that one. The lira, lira was worth six times more than it is now back in 2017. Right. So, like, just to put that in context, like if the Aussie dollar is worth 66 cents... Now it's like talking about the Aussie dollar going to eleven cents, yeah, wow. US. So that's yep. pretty crazy. So that worked. They did trash trash the lira, but it hasn't it hasn't sort of caused the economy to soar or to get them out of their inflation mess. Right. Yeah. So still in a bit of trouble. How did it get everyone to go along with this with, with this sort of story? Yeah. You mentioned he's he's. Becoming a dictator, he was elected in at some point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, still technically a democracy, I think. I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of Turkish politics too much, hmm. but it's still still a democracy. But he's been right. in there a long time. So, well, okay, let me rephrase it then. How, how are the Turkish people feeling about what's going on? Obviously yeah. not happy about inflation, but they're not – are they rioting in the streets yet? Uh, I don't think so. I mean – he sort of sold it in a couple of lines. Like one is that inflation's coming from an international conspiracy to <laughs> to, to mess over Turkey. Right. And so Turkey's, Turkey's really interesting because it sits between the east and the west. So it's got sort of Europe on one side and Russia and China on the other. Mm. And like in all the world wars, it's sort of become like it's quite hotly contested and everyone wants to cut it up and take it over. That's in the Turkish psyche and talk of like international conspiracies trying to overthrow Turkey play well. Right. Um, so he's sort of gone with that angle saying like, it's, yeah, it's the trashing the lira and the inflation, that's all Americans and the Dutch and the English mm. trashing things. So that's part of it. The other, but the other thing he does is he talks about, so in Islam, usu- what they call usury, like which is lending money for a return, is prohibited. It's not, right. it's not okay. It's not okay. And so he's saying like he's not going to – he sort of talks about people who are calling for interest rates to rise. He talks about them in sort of religious terms about saying that they're people calling for a return to usury and all the evils that go along with that. But it's quite in, – in the Quran I think it says if you, if you lend someone money and charge them interest, you're, going, you're not going to heaven. Right. Also, if you take money from someone and let them charge you interest, you're not going to heaven. Also, if you're a witness to the transaction, transaction. if you sign a, you sign in a witness, mm. you're not going to heaven either. So, right. Mm. Keep it down and enjoy your 80% inflation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, finally on the show, you've got a story about someone who's decided to microchip themselves. Why? Yeah, this is on this is on Business Insider during the week. Mm. Uh, yeah, this guy um, has had the keys to his Tesla implanted in his hand. Oh, a Tesla owner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's part of, he's part of a better testing group for VivoKey, right. which is a biotech company. Uh, they're selling crypto bionic identity, 
Ooh, yes. Yeah. That's what now that now that the the hype's died down around cryptocurrency and NFTs and mm. blockchain, this is the next frontier of crazy. Yeah. Crypt, yeah, crypto bionic, doesn't it? It has, it has meme meme stock written oh, all over doesn't it, doesn't it? Crypto bionic yeah. identity, right? So he's he's in he's put a microchip in his hand mm. so that he can unlock his Tesla. Yeah, yeah. I did see the photo. You sent me the photo, mm. and I couldn't help but notice that he was also wearing a smartwatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I reckon he owns Google glasses as well. <laughs> Like, is this going to be like a mega trend, do you think? Is this the future of people planting things inside their body? I don't really see the advantage of this over like a smartwatch. Like I can pay for things with my watch now. Mm. You know, it's not a it's not a leap to just use that same thing to open your Tesla mm. if you really didn't want to carry, I don't even know how you started, how to get into a Tesla, some sort of proximity swipe thing, obviously, because mm. you can put it in your hand. So, But, I mean, someone could steal your watch, theoretically. Mm. You ever took it off? Someone's going to steal your hand, you hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the that's danger, right, if someone really wants your car. Mm. And just, like, hack off your hand. But I don't know where, I don't know where it ends. Like, like, I got lots of cards, right? Like I got one for gym, work. Surf club. Mm. I'll take this. I will run out of run out of digits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you you, you hope that this this new chip can be linked to multiple services. But if you've got to have one for each, <laughs> just standing at the gym doors, trying all your fingers. Yeah, just, <laughs> I'm balancing on one leg, trying to hold your foot up because that's the only place you had room for a chip. <laughs> like we've got bionic authentication already biometric authentication mm. so using your fingerprint or your face like a face id type scenario would seem mm. to be a much less much less intrusive way of logging in that's effectively what it is you're authenticating mm. into your car yeah but I, you think you could like do away like you know you pay pay with everything on your phone now mm. you just do away with the phone you don't even need the phone you can just pay for everything so you don't even need to remember to carry anything out the door, you know mm. you've got you've got access to your funds. True. Yeah, and I think I, th- I think this is the way it's going. Like, and I remember when Apple Pay first came out and everyone started paying thing for things with their phones. Mm. I had a lot of friends who had a lot of reservations about that, and I did as well. I was like, oh, this feels a bit bit of a slippery slope towards Big Brother, mm. but it was just so convenient. Yeah, that you kind of went like. Eh. All right, I guess I just hope the big brother reality is not coming. This is going to go with this. And I think I think this is the same story. Like I think I don't know. Like I think it's just going to once it once it gets up and going and proves its its mm. usefulness. I think this convenience dominates everything within the human psyche. Yeah, although it didn't look like like the 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 video. He's got to sort of contort his wrist to get it in the right spot. Yeah. So there needs to be some serious. Some serious you shouldn't have to do that to to start yeah, your fancy yeah, yeah. EV that you've just bought for you know hundred thousand. You shouldn't yeah. shouldn't require contortion of your wrist. <laughs> yeah, to yeah. start the car. It di- no, it didn't look cool, did it? Mm, it didn't nah. look cool. And you remember, like that's what killed the Segway. Right. Like, you know, like if you don't remember the story of the Segway, it was like it was the best, it was the hottest secret 
mm. when it was being developed because everyone bet Bezos and everyone was funding it in like 2002, 2003 and everyone was like trying to guess what it was and people thought it was a hoverboard. And, right. and you had this thing where everyone who got on it rode it and was just fell in love with it and mm. thought this, is, this thing's going to the moon. But then people started riding it around and everyone thought, oh, they look, everyone who rides it looks like a dork. <laughs> and so the, the thing flopped like they had massive factories geared up ready mm. to just pump out millions of segways the guy who invented it called up steven stilberg because his mate he was directing the minority report yeah and said if you're doing a movie about the future you've got to have segways in there got it so everyone's going to have be riding segways mm. but they just weren't cool enough and that's what i think like yeah looking at him like bend his wrist round and, mm. and trying to wave it over the door to try and open it just mm. looks stupid. And Not that, only that, that's it, that kills it. Obviously, you can't do it yourself at home, but mm. you could just about because I saw that you don't even have to go to a doctor to get this implant mm. done. You go to your local tattoo parlor or your yeah. piercing joint. Not sure I want my crypto bionic identity to be <laughs> <laughs> installed by the same guy dishing out Southern Cross tattoo. <laughs> you see tattoos getting misspelled all the time, and that. <laughs> Instead of unlocking your Tesla, it just puts you on, in contact with Telstra. Um, <laughs> call center. Uh, tell you what, it would yeah. be handy though. The next time you get so drunk, you pass out in a park or something, it'll be easy for your for your owners to find you. The council can just <laughs> scan your implant. <laughs> Have you lost a son? Oh, yeah, I did actually. Yeah, you went out last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, we'll see how it goes. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to sell the car on the second hand market as well. I don't know. Oh. you know, no, nah, you just surely just reprogram it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what if you want to lend your car to someone? Oh, yeah. your car, duck down the shops. Yeah, sure. We'll just we'll just make a small incision, <laughs> and you'll be on your way. Uh, yeah, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm probably just getting old and out of touch. But I think I think with wearables and phones and all that stuff, I think I'm 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 fine with all that. But yeah, maybe you're right. I think it needs mm. to be it just needs to work better. That's all. It needs to yeah, be yeah. like when I approach my car, it should just unlock because of it detects the the chip that's implanted way. in my forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we finish, we've got a quick uh, listener email that we'd love to get to. Um Matthew sent us an email, cve at equitymates.com. He wrote us a really big long question but then he did us the the, the solid of shortening it into a small question that we could read. So, Yeah, full uh, respect, Matthew. (laughs) Basically he's asking, would changing the GST be a fairer way to manage the economy rather than messing with the RBA interest rate and bankrupting unlucky individuals who bought a home at the wrong time, moving yet more more of our money into the pockets of finances and related leeches? Scathing. <laughs> so yeah, basically, Thomas, can we can we change the, the GST rather than messing with interest rates? Uh, I mean, it's, it's sort of theoretically possible, and as he's as he's saying, it does get to the same point. Mm. The sort of the problems with it is that well, one in Australia, like state revenue is tied to G- the GST take, mm. so messing with the GST would sort of mess up the way the states are funded to some extent. The other thing that's not great about the GST is it's quite a regressive tax. So because it's a tax on consumption, poorer people tend to have a higher marginal propensity to consume from their income. So more of their income goes towards basic spending. 
Whereas if you're wealthier, more of your income goes towards savings and investments. So it means that more of your budget proportionally, if you're a poorer person, goes on the GST than it does if you're a richer person. Mm. So it's it's a, it's a regressive tax as opposed to a progressive tax. Like our income tax system's progressive because the more you earn, the more you pay. Mm. Um, the less you earn, the less you pay. That's progressive. The opposite of that's regressive, and the GST is regressive. It's not a great tax to be fiddling with as a policy lever. Like if yeah, if if you did have to jack up rates, that would disproportionately affect. Yeah, poorer people. It's not clear that interest rates are regressive. Not clear that they're progressive either. And I don't know. We don't. We don't tend to talk about that too mm. much. But typically, like I mean, it's probably more progressive in the sense that the people who really notice it are house are people who own houses. Mm. Um, whereas it doesn't immediately impact renters directly. So maybe in that sense, it's it's a bit more progressive. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, in theory you could, but yeah, logistically very tricky, and and then yeah, and politically very tricky as well. Like it, one of the one of the nice things, like you've got the independence of the RBA allows you to increase rates. Like you know, if you have high inflation and everyone's struggling and everyone's budgets are getting pressured and having a terrible time, if you're the government, goes okay, I know you are having a hard time, but we're going to make it worse. By, ra- by raising the GST, you know, that very hard to sell that and very easy to, to campaign if you're in opposition to campaign against it and say, oh, no, we don't actually need the GST rate hike. They're pretty good at selling bad news. Like the interest rate rises are just bad news for just about everybody. Yeah, but, but, the, but it's hands off, you mm. know. The government right. says like, oh, well... It's unlucky. I wish there was something we could do, but it's out of our hands. It's, with our, it's Phil. We'll where, get Phil yeah. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll trot Phil out again. Uh, right. Oh, there you go. Well, hopefully that's, uh, that, that, that does make sense to me, so hopefully that makes sense to you as well, Matt. Uh, thank you so much for your question. Uh, and that'll do us for now. Uh, that's a wrap for this week for our 100th episode. Thank you so much for listening through uh, all 100 episodes. Don't forget, if you are new to the show, uh, we did do a Economics 101 uh, as part of our very first, what was it, Tom? Nine episodes? Seven episodes? I remember it was a power number, you told me. Oh, right. Was, right. I think it was nine. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't, don't remember. <laughs> it was a while ago. It was 100 episodes ago. How could we possibly remember? Uh, so, yeah, thank you for coming on this journey with us. We really do appreciate all the support. Uh, and don't forget, FinFest is happening October 15th. Head to equitymates.com forward slash FinFest. Thomas and I will both be there. Uh, looking very much forward to it. Cannot wait to get over and, uh, and see everyone over at FinFest. Uh, but that's it for now. We will talk to you again next week. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.